I'm Carrie Benedett, and this is my podcast, Thriving Matters, where you will find tools to revitalise you and your relationships, whether at work or in your personal life. Well, a little bit about me. I'm an education consultant specialising in emotional intelligence, and I use creative approaches that empower people with proven processes. I'm known for my high energy, passion and compassion for those in need of help. And I like to shine a spotlight on what we can do. I'm here to bring positivity, confidence and strength every day, everywhere. My mantra in life has been, let's give it a red hot shot. How many of you have a Kindle? Or are you a real lover of books? My guest today is Annette Dencham. And... Really, Annette's life has revolved around the mystery, the complexity, the depth and the fascination of books. Would you believe that with a career of over 35 years in journalism, not only is Annette audacious, she is a master at telling stories and also telling other people's stories. So hello, Annette. How are you today? Oh, Carrie, thank you. You make me sound so good. <laughs> now, you are a thriving gal. Uh, thriving Matters podcasts are all about ordinary guys and gals doing extraordinary things in life and work. And, you know, thriving often gets this um, uh, persona around it as always being happy and having the best of everything and doing the right thing all the time, being up and optimistic Um, but you know what it's bloody hard work and most of us have a story around those dips a bit like the big roller coaster of life and I am sure that your books over time have given you the opportunity for solace the opportunity to go into a world of magnificence of imagination and curiosity so I just want to say, what happened this morning when you woke up? What got you out of bed? Uh, Well, look, the first thing that I do when I wake up, besides, you know, the things that all humans need to do first thing in the morning, is I hop back into bed and I pick my Kindle up and I read. And I spend, you know, an an hour, two hours reading just for absolute pleasure. Um, So this morning when I got up, I did that and then my brain starts ticking And I start thinking about the things that I have to do for the day. And it's like legs swing out of the bed. And it's like, I think this morning was someone asked me to write um, a piece for them about this little girl is me. And my brain was writing the story in my head. And it's like, I've got to get out of bed and go and write this before it's gone. Oh, so tell us what you are reading at the moment. So at the moment I'm reading, it's, um, it's, it's on Netflix. It's called... Um, Shadow and Bone Um, it's a series a fantasy series by a writer called Lee Bodigo Um, it's really funny I read a lot of books and I often forget the author's names but it's it's uh, seven books in what is called the Grisha verse so it's you know about good and bad and you know fighting evil and you know good triumphing over you know adversity and you know good old-fashioned fantasy which I really love you know a lot like your show ordinary person discovers that they've got this incredible skill and expertise and they go out there and they use it to save the world and make people's lives better so I've just started on the fifth book oh were you getting through them (laughs) yeah no sorry sixth book I've just finished the fifth book the sixth book which is called the scar of kings oh and what better time to actually think about good and and evil and uh you know we've got a whole lot of uh challenges in front of us around the world of work around relationships because we're we're either locked down or living very closely together or living by regulations in in a lot of places or getting on with life with um a virus that keeps mutating around the world so we we have some major challenges uh, so there's nothing like a good book. I love the fact that you picked up a book as the first thing you did today. It's the first and last thing I do every day. Oh, 
So before I go to sleep, mind you, though, I don't read as long as night because as soon as I go into this position, <laughs> I'm, I'm out like a light with him. my husband jokes and I go, I'm going to read. And he goes, uh, yeah, for three seconds. <laughs> and then I'm asleep. He already knows. I think there's nothing nicer than reading in bed, actually. I, oh, I find it lovely. Yeah. I love it. Although I'm getting a new couch today, this big, cute, beautiful, comfy, cloud-like couch and I'm kind of looking forward to curling up on that and reading on the weekend. Well, Annette, you know, I think the world of words is um, is a gift and how it started for you um, was possibly in your childhood. So tell us about how you just fell in love with books. And I know you've got a story around the library at school. So share that with us. Sure. Uh, look, my mum was a gypsy. Um, she wasn't very good at settling in one place. So, you know, we moved to, you know, like I, I went to join the police force when I was 19 and you had to write a list of the addresses that you'd lived in your whole life. And I had to go to mum and say, oh, I think I need some help here. And I think it was something like 97 houses by the time I was 19 that we'd lived in, some for a month, some for a couple of months. So making friends was 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 kind of hard. So um, I don't know where my love of books came from, but I always remember every time we packed up, the first thing I'd pack would be my Famous Five and my Secret Seven and my Nancy Drew, and then I moved into Doctor Who. And then by the time I was 10, we moved to Queensland and I was in my fourth primary school and uh, because I spoke differently to Queenslanders back then, you know, I, was, I had the, the Tasmanian twang and then, <laughs> you know, I came to Queensland, it was the Queensland drawl and I get picked on and I, because I was tall and bigger than everyone else, I got teased, you know, called fatty and piggy and it was just by this one boy. It's funny, I, I, I found him on LinkedIn. Isn't it funny how those people stick with you? Like, you're 50 now. That's like 40 years ago that this man tormented me. And I've, like, gone, where is he? I'm going to go and find him. But anyway, he, he had his little tribe of sycophants and they used to torment me. So I hid in the library. And I was, whilst it was a refuge, it was also a sanctuary because here was all of these books in the Dewey Decimal System, easy to find. And we used to be given these A4 green cards and they had columns where they had the different types of genres and categories, you know, so they had fiction and, um, you know, well, I can't even remember, but, you know, it went across the whole page. I think there were seven. And my goal was to fill those up as many as I could um, throughout the year because I just I couldn't help myself. It was just like, just knowledge. I just wanted information. I just wanted those things in my head. And I'm, I'm still the same way. I'm, I'm a little bit of a bowerbird of probably inane information, stuff that doesn't really matter. Like the other night I said to my husband, we're watching TV. I said, did you know that actor has got a degree in physics? And he's like, like, who, who needs to know that? It was like, yeah, just, yeah, I'm, people. Very, very good on trivia games. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I guess books became my friend. My Kindle's called my best friend because books did pick on you. Books weren't mean to you. Books just kind of grabbed you and hugged you and drew you in and you could take yourself somewhere else and not worry about all of the other stuff going on. So, yeah, and, and it's still that way now, although I don't have as much trauma in my life as I did when I was a kid. But it's, yeah. there's still something that I just, I couldn't live without. It's, um, it's, it could very well be a, um, a safety net as well for, for a young, young girl moving around so much. Um, but your story about the library as a safe haven isn't um, uncommon, is it? Uh, when you talk, we have a whole family of teachers and um, I, uh, my daughter um, and her two little people, five-year-old and two-year-old, they never have a book out of their hand. And Cara's memory is she said, the greatest gift you gave, Mum, was reading to us every night. I went to the world of Alice in Wonderland and, um, you, know, you, you know, yellow 
Wizard of Oz and The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe. And, and then a girlfriend and I, we between us, we had seven children. So we had our own instant play group. And we decided to give gifts of um, the Australian Book Awards, the top book awards that were published. Remember that used to have yep. the, the, gold, yep. the gold sticker on them? Yep. First place, second place, third place. And so the kids got the latest up-to-date books from each, from, from each other. And um, I remember one night reading to Dom and Aaron, and they were little boys, and it was Old Pig, beautiful new book out called Old Pig. And it basically was it was a book about dying, you know, starting and living and then 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 living your life. And uh, I remember uh, one of the boys saying to me, patting me, Mum, it's all right. You, it, it's all right to cry, Mum, when you read my book. <laughs> Oh, that's beautiful. So, so the emotion, the emotion, the reason I tell you that is the emotional uh, value as well, that that's that dipping into your own self-awareness and how you're feeling and what the words can engender and where they can take you to places is is so valuable. So oh, yeah. I, I the, the number of books that I've sobbed through, you know, like you doing that just so you can see the page because you know the, the words are just have grabbed you and picked you up and taken you somewhere else and that is such an incredible skill and gift and you know I, I always feel very blessed that it's a skill that I have because I know a yeah. lot of people can't write or don't like to write or have not been encouraged to write and um, I'm really grateful my, when I lived when I lived with my grandparents for a, a short while when I was a kid and I can remember my now used to make my nan take me to the library at Ashgrove, which is in Queensland, yeah. um, so I could go and do research. I'd pick a topic and I'd go research that topic and then I'd write a paper about it and I would give it to her. And, you know, it taught me to ask questions and to, oh. I think, think a little more deeply about my place in the world and how I interacted with other people. Yes. So tell, tell us how you've had 35 years of journalism or being, being in what I would call the, um, the word industry. Um, so how did you get to be a journalist? And was there any, anything that happened for you that, that directed you there? You've talked a bit about that, you've, you know, innate ability, your intrinsic ability to, to research. So I imagine your curiosity also was highly peaked as well. But tell us how you got to be a journalist. Well, that library that I used to hide in um, was a, a great resource for obviously finding out information because there's lots of books there. But around 10, 11 is when you start getting asked, what are you going to be when you grow up? What are you going to do? And I can remember being asked that, you know, like my, my grandmother went to church and she'd drag us along and, you know, her friends would go, so, you know, young lady, oh, you're growing so much. What are you going to do when you grew up? And I was like, at the time, I, I was, you know, going doctor or lawyer because we'd been so poor. I was looking at picking the jobs that made the most money. But then when I realised I had absolutely no flair for mathematics and science and that, you know, yeah, I was pretty good at arguing, but I was like all too rigid and stiff to be a lawyer. I started researching what people who like to read and write what type of jobs are good for them so they had a career book in the library so you know I looked it up and it had like teacher librarian lawyer um, you know a few other professions and journalist and I was like because oh, another thing my grandparents did every day was watch the news at six o'clock um, 60 minutes on Sunday night and you know whatever news was on and I had this absolute fascination for Ray Martin and Yarn Event, who are on 60 Minutes at the time. I love the way they held their hands and, you know, the, the thoughtful way that they asked questions. And, you know, I'd, I'd always been told I was a real sticky beat as well and, you know, constantly asking questions. And I, my little 10-year-old brain went, well, you know what, journalists, that sound, how, how good would that be to get paid to stick your nose in other people's business and then write about it? So that's where it started. And so from 10, that's what I focused on doing. You know, the subjects I did at school, I kind of fell off the wagon a bit in grade 11. I met a boy 
<laughs> and, you know, not, not a happy story. But anyway, he sidetracked me. But as soon as I could, I got back on track. And, um, you know, when I was 19, I got a job with Fairfax in Brisbane and I worked in their editorial office as their librarian. I just soaked up that the, the, the wisdom of the journalists that I worked with, some of the best in the country. And um, eventually got a job in Sydney working for News Limited and, and, you know, writing stories. It was like, oh, my God, I've made it. This is awesome. And it was amazing because, you know, I, you, you, can, you can pretty much ask people anything yeah. and they'll tell you. And even when I'm not writing, you know, my mum used to joke I could talk underwater with marbles in my mouth and I would talk to anybody. She said, oh, there's not a person that I've not seen you not talk. Like I remember once we went shopping and she, she'd just look at everything on the shelf and I'd get bored so I would gone and sat outside to have a cigarette at the bus stop and this homeless guy sat down next to me and you know I've turned to him and go how you going mate and he's like yeah good and I've oh my name's Annette and he's told me his name and mum's come out and she's like God you've been sitting here for half an hour talking to that man and I went yeah his life was really interesting like it's sad and she was just kind of like I I don't know how you do it and it was like because I don't know people are interesting People are people. People are important. People are important. People are interesting. And people love it when you ask them questions because, you know, who do we care the most about in the world? Ourselves. So it just, it's just stayed with me. Um, And I find as I get older that I probably get a little cheekier with my question asking and I get a little bit more personal and I'm like, I'm, I'm amazed at the things that people tell me because it's like that was really personal and I would have expected you to tell me to nick off. But, no, you answered. So, you know, don't ask, you don't get. Well, the trust you build in in the relational way that you um, engage people has to be a key. has to be a key, I think, yeah. Yeah, I've always been, like, I'm, I'm an introvert. So, you know, and I was really shy as a kid, like really, you you move around that much, I think you either become, you know, a big show pony or you do, you know, withdraw into yourself. And there was lots of things that happened in my childhood besides just moving where it was like safer to be in my own little world. So, you know, it wasn't until I think I got to grade six and this same bully did something really horrible to me and I, I lashed out. It was kind of like, you know, when you push someone too far, it's like he was sorry that day that he pushed me too far. Him and his stringy, strawy hair probably never recovered after I grabbed him by his head and dragged him down the stairs. But I think there's something in that day clicked for me and I thought, yeah, you're either the lion or you're the prey, you know. So how can I be the lion so no one picks on me? but still likes me because I don't want to be like that person. I want to be. So I think that the, my sense of humour started coming out then. Um, and, yeah, I, don't, I just seem to have this ability to, you know, people feel comfortable with me. And I and I guess it's because, like, I, what you see is what you get. You know, like I, I don't have airs and graces. I don't pretend to be something that I'm not. <clears throat> I swear like a trooper. I, you know, I make probably inappropriate comments but I think it's my sense of humor that helps because yeah. I don't take anything too seriously well, and it's one of the Aussie traits isn't it to you sort of take the mickey out of yourself we often will say but we also take the mickey out of others and depending on your <laughs> depending on how you how you're feeling that day whether you take an offense or you laugh with it um yeah and and I I don't and when I take the mickey out of people it's never from a nasty point of view you know it might be you know something that they say that I might mimic back to them and they go oh that's funny I do sound like that and I think it's really important with humor that you 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 don't do it from the point of view where you make someone feel smaller that you make someone kind of like you know reflect see themselves back in your eyes and appreciate you know the, the the comedy in in all types of situations does humour pop up in your stories that you write now? 
and the way you do uh, say some of your um, work because you do work um, at the Audacious Agency with, with Lauren, your partner, Lauren Clement. Um, and I, I'd like to talk a bit about that because really you put uh, your brain and the heart of business together for purpose and passion. Um, and, and I think, you know, I'm just wondering about that humour side of things because... Yeah, I, I think that it does. Um, I, I don't deliberately do it. So it's someone said to me, you know, like back when I first started <coughs> my business, the publicity genie, I did, um, you know, I did writing classes with people until I realised I'm really not a very good teacher. And it's really hard to teach people how to write with humour because it's so innate in my being mm. that it's like, how do you, it's like teaching someone to breathe. Okay, you know, suck your air. You know, you try and teach someone to breathe. It's like it's 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 hard to describe. You know, you yeah. suck the air back. Although as a writer, I try to do a really good job of describing that. So yeah, I think it pops up. It's yeah. just you know things that you know. I'd be writing something, and I wrote something the other day about um, you know letting the cat out of the bag, and then I went, oh shit, have I offended cat lovers by saying that? <laughs> and I've gone. Because let's face it, we live in the age of offended. It's like I, the last thing I want to do is offend cat lovers. So I went, it's okay, cat lovers. I just mean that in the proverbial sense, you know. So I find the humour creeps in, particularly when I'm talking about big topics that, you know, if you can get people to kind of like go, oh, yeah, okay, I can see the funny side of that, then, yeah, it does and, but I, I, a lot of the writing I do is very business orientated and I write in other people's voices. So unless they're funny, I don't. Like I work with the incredible Lisa Cox, who's a, an advocate for people with disabilities. She's got one of the best sense of humour yeah. of anyone that I know. And like I like writing for her because we've got the same sense of humour. So it's really cool that I can actually go to town. But um, like I, I wrote a book last year my, my memoir darling was my memoir and there's a lot of kids a lot of really heavy stuff in there but it's peppered with humor because you know my favorite saying is it is what it is and if you can't find something funny in the shit that you go through then you're just going to be constantly dragged down so you know, I think humor is important to to express and I think everybody has a sense of humor some people just don't let it out. Well, you know, you've you've just brought us right round to one of, you know, um, don't waste anything in life. And I think your quotable quote is, don't wait to get your shit together. Do it now. Why waste a perfectly good life? And I think that's what you're saying to us is bring it, bring it all together. And, I mean, I think we have to laugh at each other. I mean, if we don't, we're going to be crying all the time because... Yeah. Thriving isn't easy. Every, there's everyone has stories. Everyone has, uh, you know, for unfortunate and fortunate things that happen to them, and we've got a choice in how we how we look at it. So your way of looking at it is uh, through the lens of words, but also through the lens of humour, and uh, mm. I think it's a beautiful gift. Beautiful. Yeah, I, I but it's something that has just has been honed through trauma and adversity. Yeah. Because, like, you know, back in the 70s and 80s, you didn't send kid to, kids to counsellors and therapists to deal with, you know, abuse and violence and trauma. You just got told to suck it up, you know. That's right. Yeah. And, and yeah. get on with it. You know, you're right. You're not bleeding. Get out back out there. And that's the way that I was parented. And just, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I wish I could explain it, but something clicked for me that I went, if I take this too seriously, I'm broken and I might not ever be able to fix myself. And I didn't want to be that way. And I think my mother was probably a really good role model of how I didn't want my life to be because she was sad all the time. I mean, okay. she laughed. She was a great mom and she did her best, but she made some really fucked choices in her life. We, we, we didn't benefit from those choices, but she didn't have a lot of joy in her life. And I thought, well, you know, what's the point in life? See your roller coaster analogy. I love roller coasters because you go from elation 
to, you know, shitting your pants in zero seconds. And that's what life is like. And you need those moments of where you're scared and you've got to confront who you are and what you do so you can have those moments where you just feel absolute joy and excitement and, you know, and a sense of fun. So I haven't really had a lot of counselling through my life because I think humour has has been my saving grace because when you can look at something and go, yeah, okay, that's bad, but, you know, hey, this is really funny. You know, like I had surgery recently and I was busting to go to the toilet. They were running behind in surgery and they just left me in this room like by myself and there's all of these medical equipment. I'm lying there thinking, I wonder if I like I touched that, what would happen? I went, no, I better not. So I've, I've hopped up to go to the loo. Like I'm, like I'm going, they've forgotten about me. So I'm wandering around surgery with, you know, my bum flashing out the back, you know, kind of like going, I'm going to wet my pants. And like, you know, I'm stressed and a little bit anxious because, you know, I'm about to go under general. And this nurse calls out and she goes, oh, are you okay? And I've gone point me to the loo and she's just cracked up because yeah because you know they don't often see patients wandering around surgery with their (laughs) ass hanging out looking for the toilet and I just went you know I could I could get angry about this because they've forgotten about me or I could make a joke out of it yeah so I got back to my bed and the nurse comes and she said we were worried about where you went and I went yeah alien abductions are pretty bad around this place and she cracked up and, you know, it's like, because, I mean, like, think, think about it, especially now. Yes. How many people are wandering around, like, you know, I've heard the new term is languishing. You know, people are languishing. There's nothing to look forward to. You know, if you're not in lockdown, you still can't go and see your family. You know, we're all kind of like treading. And people are grumpy and cranky and you know, so if you can make someone smile, there's a ripple effect to that. You know, dad goes home and, you know, he walks in the door instead of going, oh, I had a crappy day. You know, he's kind of like, going, oh, my day was pretty good today. And the vibe of the house changes. Oh, so it's huge, isn't it? Massive. I was, going, I was going to ask you about, you know, was there an age, you talked about being 10, but was there an age when it was significant, the choice you made? to to look at the brighter side of life even the brighter side of crappy life yeah yep so the example that I was talking about before when I was in grade six so I was 11 years old and um you know the the bully that was picking on me the teacher had left the classroom it's an amazing how we remember these things with clarity so I still I can close my eyes and I can see where we were sitting and he's got up and he's made fun of my pencil case you know, it was, it was blue and it was one where you stick the letters in with your name. Oh, yes, yes. And mine had Annie. My mum called me Annie. So I had Annie in there. And he started making fun of my name. And like, and I've gone, yeah, leave me alone. And everybody's looking and he's just going and his friends have started joining in and like they're ganging up on me. And he's picked my pencil case up and he's thrown it out the window. Like it was open. My pens went everywhere and... And I can remember sitting there thinking I can either cry and everybody watch me cry or I can do something about this. And it was like a light switched off for me. I'm not a violent person. I'm not an aggressive person. But that day he was sorry that he crossed me. I, I can remember roaring out of my chair and grabbing him by the top of his hair. He was a swimmer, so his hair was always, you know, chlorine and sticky-uppy. Grabbed him by his hair And I literally dragged him three classrooms down two flights of stairs to where my pencil case is. And I threw him at the ground and he's twisting and trying to get away. And I've thrown him on the ground and I've said, you pick up my pencil case and don't you ever hurt me again. And the class is hanging out the window and he's like looked at me, put my pencils back in, handed me the pencil case And that was the last day anybody ever picked on me, you know, and that was the day I started getting invited to parties and things like that because I'd stood up to the bully and and I'd realised that being quiet and letting people walk all over you was 
no way to live. It was horrible. It made you a, a victim, like reflecting back now as an adult. And I changed. I started speaking up more. You know, if, if I thought something was unfair, I'd say it was unfair. If someone was being bullied or picked on, I stood up for them. You know, I said something. You know, I if a teacher was being unfair, then I called them out on it. Got me into a lot of trouble as I moved into high school. But that was that moment when I was 11 that I went, no more. I am not letting people walk all over me ever again. But I found a way to do a lot of it with humour. Like I had teachers who'd look at me as if to go, is she is she taking the piss out of me or, you know, or what? And they'd laugh, you know. Yeah. You know, I'd get my report card, you know, Annette talks too much, but she's an absolute delight to have in class. I was like, eh, if you've got it, flaunt yeah. it. Give Cynthia, but you found your voice, didn't you? So... So tell us about the Audacious Agency. Now, tell us about what, what that does, because not only do you, um, you know, do that, you also have just set up some awards um, and award processes. So for me, when I look at um, and have gotten to know you a little bit, you're, you have a voice and you're putting action behind the voice to share the good stories, to share the the good things that are happening, even though every one of us has days when it's not so crash hot, um, but the the belief in the human um, is up front and centre for you and oh. what you can do, even in adversity. So, Absolutely. So the Audacious Agency, we're only a really new business. Lauren, who's my beautiful partner in Shine, and I've kind of collaborated and worked together since about 2017 2016 um you know sharing clients I'd go Lauren is just an absolute genius in personal branding and neuro branding you know she understands that you know that journey particularly for startups on getting their client audience right getting their key messages right really understanding their purpose and where they want their business to go and I'd often get clients who had no idea about that and I'd send them back to Lauren and go, can you get them ready for me so I can go and tell their story? So <laughs> we started doing awards together and eventually we got to talking and went, you know what, we should probably go into business together. So January last year, the Audacious Agency was born and our purpose is really and we work particularly with women in business, but we work with anyone in business, is to give them a voice, to help them get their, their message and their ideas and their thoughts and their opinions and their expertise and their experience out there in so many different formats that it's almost it's undeniable that that person is good at what they do. And we create this tapestry of, of actions and, and stories that helps them become what we call Googleicious. So, you know, the, the more that you can put out there, um, you know, blogs, articles, awards, podcasts, you know, any communication channel that enables your audience to connect emotionally with you, to like you, to trust you, to want to work with you is what we do because what we know is that, you know, Nobody buys off you with their first interaction unless, of course, they've had some background insight into who you are because people do business with people. So I guess that's what we're all about is we're humanising businesses and allowing people to share their voice so that their audience will see and hear or, you know, however they interact and go, that's the person I want to do business with because, I like them, they're authentic, you know, their, their information has helped me. Because like most people don't comment on your Facebook posts or your LinkedIn posts, but tell you what they do do, they watch, they read, they look, they listen. And then when it's time for them to buy, you know, this is why advertising is so effective and this is why we have that tapestry of content out there is the more that people see you when it comes time to buy, they will remember you and they'll remember you over someone who is just pumping them with ads. That's all features and benefits. You know, we live by the philosophy is tell, don't sell. Um, so those stories are really important. And it's interesting. The other day I did a, a podcast with um, um, 
a couple of guys, one of them was a psychotherapist, and he asked me what we did or what I do. And I told him, and he, he looked very thoughtful, and he said, so you're, you're actually transforming people's lives by giving them permission to tell their stories. And I went, I guess I am. That sounds really deep and really powerful. So, yeah, I'm going to own that. That's what we do. There's that quote of um, Maya Angelou's, isn't there, about, you know, um, people won't remember what you've said, but they'll remember how you made them feel. Yeah. um, That is so true because that's the type of feedback um, you would be getting, um, even from people who are watching and what I call the lurkers or the people that just just do the observing around the posts and whatever, because let's face it, it's um, it's a world of um, still se- selling in a way, um, but it's people are buying a, a brand, the personal brand, not the big organisations. Mm. And I think one of the challenges, particularly in this age, like in the last five years in particular, the way that, Um, advertising and marketing has changed and the way that you know like everything's at a touch you know like we can turn our air conditioning on from our phone out you know before we even drive in the in into our our driveway garage is that we want everything instantly and it's polluting how we market our business and how we tell our stories because you know people will come to me I started writing an article yesterday you know what's the, the three top questions that I get asked Mm-hmm. Can you guarantee me media coverage? Um, can you guarantee I'll win the award? And can you help me go viral? And I'm like, um, nah, to all of those, I can't give you any guarantees of media coverage. I can't guarantee you win. And no, I can't make you go viral because who the hell knows what makes things go viral these days because, you know, it's a cat scratching its, you know, back leg. go viral but what I can tell you that if you invest in building relationships if you invest in giving people good quality content if you invest in your patience and your resilience (laughs) is that it will pay off for you within 12 to 18 months now most most people are like going oh I don't want to pay you like 18 months and not get anything I mean you'll always get something but to capture the hearts yeah. of a target audience is a lot longer process. You know, if you think back to early sales, you know, you've got to ask five times to close the deal. Now you've got to ask, you know, 20, 30, yeah. 40 yeah. times because we're inundated with information. You know, like I read yesterday, there's something like 720,000 hours of content every day on YouTube. Real? Oh, that's fascinating. Yes. Uh, there's one billion videos every day on TikTok. We are smashed with content. How do you stand out from that? It's, you know, there's a really great book called The Slight Edge by Jeff Olson, which applies to all of life and it applies to PR and, and marketing. Slight Edge is based on the theory of compounding interest. You know, if I give you one cent, the next day you've got two, the oh. next day you've got four. That's what PR and marketing is. One day you do a video on YouTube. Yeah, maybe your mum watches it and, you know, your hairdresser. You know, you do one the next day. You know, they share it with their friends because what you're saying has got value. And I think what people think when people aren't engaging is that what they're saying doesn't have value and is not resonating with people. Remember, most people are not going to comment, but they're watching. It's resonating with people. You do it the next day. Maybe you write an article. Maybe you enter an award and you get to the finals. Or maybe you go on a podcast. Or maybe you write an article for Koshi's Business Builders. You know, you write some blogs for your website. You repurpose that. You put it on your social media. You do all of these little things persistently, consistently over, you know, a week, over two, over a month, over 12 months. And I can guarantee you, that's what I can guarantee you, is that people will be noticing you. You, know, you may not go viral. But you're consistent and it's a consistent presence. Yeah. And, and people people will go for you. And, and um, But this is where you need to engage your, your vulnerability. And I don't mean, you know, go, oh, my God, my husband and I had a fight last night. Be you. 
don't try and be someone else yeah. or mimic some other, you know, you know, style or tone of your videos. If you swear, swear. People are turned off by swearing. They're not your people. You know, if you stutter or it's, you know, not the best, people aren't looking for perfection. I truly don't believe they're looking for perfection. They're looking for people who make them feel good, who listen to them, who, you know, have got their best interests at heart and then it becomes a win-win. Very and I don't, relational. Very yeah, I don't relational. Think, I don't think we do that enough anymore and it's really sad and it's sad that people want everything to be now because no good solid relationship is built from, you know, just trivial engagement. Yeah. It's, it's that, that wanting to be curious about somebody else to find out who the person is behind the behind the screen or whatever. I um I really um, think uh, technology's been a blessing during during the pandemic. Now, not everybody sees it that way, but it enabled me to travel around the world and meet so many different people for lots of the things that I do. The same for you, and it's actually helped to save some time in sitting in in travel, in, in on roads, in traffic, in, on trains, and blah blah blah, whatever it is that we do. But I think it's actually given us back some time to really think about what it is we do and how we do it, um, and pull out the jigsaw puzzles or read the books that we want to read, or you know, just tighten up the uh, the yoga practice that we'd started, or you know, pick up the phone and say hello to someone who you haven't heard from for ages and, and have no expectation, but just to say, I thought of you the other day, you just passed across my consciousness and I thought I'd say hello. No mm. expectation. And I think it's been, thank heavens we've had it because I think um, our mental health, um, our well-being would have been, would have suffered even more, even though we have a lot of people who have relied on the technology so much that they are now fatigued. Mm. Oh, yeah, look, so. absolutely. I know that I can get very fatigued because I'm still an introvert and, you know, like I'll find a whole day of talking. Like yesterday it was meetings all day. It got to 3 o'clock and I went, like I could write for hours, but having conversations while I'm engaged and I'm in them, they, <laughs> they wear me out. So I, I agree with you. I think that technology, I love technology. I like people who go, I hate Facebook. And it's like, yeah, all right, whatever. Thanks for that, Boomer. Um, but for me, it's like I've connected with people. I would net like Jules Brooke. Yes. I would never have connected with Jules on the level that I had if it wasn't for Facebook. Mm. You know, you, I met you through a virtual lunch. Like, how awesome is that? Like, uh, otherwise, our day-to-day, -day, we would never have connected John. because you live in a different state, you know, and you can't cross our borders because I'm in Queensland and, you know, I'm pretty sure we're going to put electric fences up or something. But we're not allowed to love you too much. Queensland doesn't like to be loved too much. Oh, I know, which is a real <laughs> shame. It's funny. I, I, I messaged the Premier this morning for an event I'm helping with and of the email I got back was the Queensland government's sole priority at the moment is COVID. And I went, yeah, okay, it, it's a big deal. I get that. But it cannot be at the expense of everything else. Like we, we cannot forget yeah. the humanity of what we're dealing with. But, you know, in terms of technology, I just, I love it. I think you know, I'm surrounded here. I've got you know, Bluetooth headphones, I've got an air purifier, I've got an iPad, a phone, I've got a rock lamp, which my husband told me was pointless, but I like it and it feels nice. You know, I've got a massive screen. Like I love, like last year I, I moderated an international panel of communication experts, you know, people from Google and Microsoft and Amazon. Like I would not have been able to do that. Right. You know, yeah, you know, a few few before Zoom and, and all of those wonderful things came up. So and I wouldn't have been able to write my book last year if it wasn't for the lockdown because it gave me time to stop and go, you know, you're not a very good writer and you've not even written a book. Like time to write a book. So and I had the space to do that. Our listeners need to know what the title of your book is, isn't it? <laughs> oh, it's a great title. It's the best. Lauren helped me come up with this. So I'm going to show it 
Can you see? Yeah, I, and I'm going to take a screenshot. So hold on, I'll do that while we're uh, we're doing it. Beautiful. It's called <laughs> How to Eat a Shit Sandwich and Keep Smiling. So you know, there's a demonstration of my sense of humour because my son went, who'd want to eat a shit sandwich? And I went, well, that's the point, mate. Nobody wants to eat a shit sandwich, but if you have to eat one, and if you're human, you've probably eaten many. Yeah. What's wrong with, you know, smiling and being happy? Do because, it in style. Yeah, because, okay, bad things have happened to me and I acknowledge that. They've hurt me. They've damaged me. You know, they've caused trauma. But there is no way on this beautiful earth that I am going to let those things stop me being the best person that I can be. And I'm not going to live back there because there's nothing I can do about that. The only thing I can do about that is how I show up right here, right now. And the way that I choose to do that is with humour, with vulnerability and, you know, with a bit of a cheeky glint, as my book cover has. <laughs> that, that, those pictures are me through different phases of my life. Oh, I see. I see yes. Okay. So there's yeah. pictures of me as, you know, a baby and a teenager and a toddler and a young woman and, there's certainly lots of different hair colours there. <laughs> well, you know, our listeners are, are, are probably really curious now about, you know, um, some of your thriving techniques must must include being able to write and being able to read, right? So have you got any, any ones that you've actually um, developed over the years now that you never not do? If you get my drift. Now, Carrie, I'm not a, I'm not a good one for routine. I am um, I'm a Gemini, so oh. I'm mercurial by nature. So it's kind of like, oh, look at that pretty thing over there. Let's go over there. So I don't have any routines, but I find, you know, speaking of technology, that if I have an idea, my notes on my phone are gold. I, I try not to let any idea no matter how stupid or ridiculous yeah. go wasted I write it down I've always oh, here's another piece of technology I've got a remarkable oh and I've got like a to-do list on there and whatever comes it makes my to-do list look really big and really busy but I might go oh um, like yesterday I wrote going viral is not the be all and end all and I was like you know what I'm going to write a piece about that and I may not um, my notes on my Gmail, there's a, a section called um, keep that you can, I, I don't know whether it comes standard, but I'll write in there and go, oh, that's a good idea for something. So I, I guess my routine is that I never let an idea disappear. Yeah. Um, I write it down um, because that to me, there's no such thing as a bad idea. There may be just impractical ones or, yeah. or offensive ones or whatever, but you never know what will come out of that. And, and I guess, too, that's like we, I write a lot of story calendars for people. So, you know, I give them a 12-month calendar of a story that they can write every week and I can sit there and listen to someone and go, oh, I like what they said about, um, you know, you know our conversation what's the five pieces of technology that you couldn't live without and why why you know people love that stuff yeah yeah so yeah do that and especially if you're struggling with promoting your business and getting your ideas out there mm -hmm. just sit and brain dump that's what i just brain dump all the time i guess that's my thing constantly brain dumping and going oh that's a good idea i, I do a bit of um, stand-up comedy I haven't done it for a while and I've got my first gig back on October 16th. Oh, well done. And he's just written and told me I have 20 minutes and I'm like, going, oh, my God. Oh. So okay. I've got that's this. a long time. That's a long time to stand there and make people laugh. You're going to ace it, though, Annette. I oh know. Oh, my God. <laughs> but I've got this folder of just, you know, random observations and ideas. It's in my phone. Someone will say something and I'll go, oh, wonder if I can write a joke about that. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we'll see. And I bet you will. <laughs> I'll get my husband to film it. Oh. 
I, I just think if anyone would like to find out a little bit more about what you do after having a listen to a conversation today, be able to purchase your book, uh, where's the best place? What would you prefer? So, um, look, connect with me on Facebook. Definitely that's where I hang out the most, just Annette Densham. That's my personal profile. Um, LinkedIn, Annette Densham yep. is a great place. Um, I do have a website that um, is in the process of being updated, which is, wait for it, annettedensham.com. Okay. Um, you can go there and buy my book. There's a little link to PayPal. Um, uh, but it's going up on Amazon in the next three weeks. So um, I'll send you the link for that. and You can share it around if you so choose oh, so well, yeah look if you google an attention because i am particularly googleicious um you'll certainly find me i'm, I'm not hiding I'm, I'm here loud and proud loud and proud and what a great conversation we've had today and listeners if you uh would you know like to know more about annette i suggest you get busy and find out more about her she's absolutely delightful it's been a pleasure getting to know her um, during a pandemic which has uh, been a bonus for a lot of us um, depending on which way you look at look at your cards you know we all have a choice in how we thrive in our daily life we are all precious um, no matter our our spots or stripes our culture our language the color of our hair the tattoos that we wear we are all precious. And so my uh, call to action um, today will be just reach out to someone that you haven't said hi to for a while, just see how they're thriving, whether it's been part of the roller coaster ride for them. Um, but just remember, there's always something that you can share about, have a guess, what happened to me today? And what happened to me today was I got the absolute pleasure to have a conversation with Annette and uh, charge you up, get hold of her book. Uh, it's sure to bring a smile to your face, a laugh in your belly, and you'll be able to talk about it uh, with other people who need a booster as well. So if you want to know more about what I do, pop on to carriebenedette.com. I'm on all socials under carriebenedette.com. That's the same as, as Annette. Um, all pod, uh, podcasters, or I was going to say pod people, like a little bit of love and um, so if you get onto your favorite podcast um, app give us a review it helps us gives us a boost um, it makes me think that I'm not just talking to myself for my, <laughs> for my, own, for my own interest but um, it also pays forward and uh, we all share the love everybody loves to give a good recommendation for the latest song they've heard the best movie the, the latest Netflix series but podcasts, you can do this while you're habit building, while you're twinning your habit of walking and keeping healthy and thriving that way, um, whether you pace your backyard or your garage or you're able to get out without a mask, put your headphones on and listen to a podcast. It is magic. So, Annette, many, many thanks to you. Uh, I will see you again, no doubt. Thank you for your time today. Love all your hints and thank you for letting us know a little bit about the girl that you were and the woman that you have become. So bye for now, everybody. Tune in to our next episode. Um, don't forget, you are precious and you're thriving at Bye for now. Bye. I'm Carrie Benedette and this is my podcast, Thriving Matters, 